0: This is Photo Geek Weekly, episode 185, recorded on February 14th, Valentine's Day of 2024. Uh, Thanks for listening to the show, and I appreciate all the comments that I have been receiving on the new episodes. Uh, If you do have any feedback, it's always greatly appreciated just saying that at the beginning of the episode rather than at the end where some people might have already tuned out. Because I like to have great guests and great stories. And uh, this week, I have one of my favorite Canadian photographers living in Germany. Uh, Alan Attridge is on the podcast in the co-pilot seat. Alan, how are you doing, man? What a narrow
1: window. How
0: many other Canadian photographers? Let's not talk about that. You're you're definitely in the top five.
1: Top five. Okay. I'll get in the top four by the end of this episode. Uh, Things are going well. Just finished up... uh, uh, Fasching, it's called here in the southwest of Germany. Fastnets or Mardi Gras, as the world knows it. Yeah, Which we were supposed eighteenth.
0: to record yesterday, but uh, you forgot about this uh, particular event. And apparently it's quite noisy, right? Um, right. It's, it's actually my kids attend it. And so it's not
1: even one event. It is, uh, I don't even know how many weeks in a row of, of, of fashing parades that they have. Leading up to yesterday being the Fat Tuesday. And uh, it's a little bit different here. It's not what you, what you see on the news. It's different kind of parades, witches and goblins and, and fun stuff and throwing candy to the kids on the parade. And then at some point. So it's
0: like Mardi Gras mixed with Halloween.
1: It is actually an accurate, accurate description. It is Halloween here. So we, we, we do celebrate Halloween my, or celebrate or enjoy or whatever you want to call it with my kids here, which is not really a thing in Germany. It's becoming more of a thing. But Same here. I brought the, the Canadian part I brought. And so my, my kids do it, confuse everybody by trick or treating because um, they're not expecting it. But but then they get the second Halloween, uh, which is Fat Tuesday.
0: Well, you know what I don't like about Halloween here is you can't get pumpkins, at least not the pumpkins that you and I probably grew up with having the big orange round pumpkins. Right. Um, they'll sell all sorts of gourds. Uh, butternut squash is is common, and uh, and other types of uh, winter squashes are readily available, but the classic orange rotund pumpkin is not. So I'm going to take it upon myself this year to grow some. And, uh, <laughs> I was about that's where I
1: was headed. There's no way you haven't somehow uh, uh, ma- uh, mixed it with with uh, an apple or something, so you're going to get these red pumpkins. I'm assuming.
0: Uh, uh, you know what, that might be available, but I've chosen to go to the ridiculous level. And uh, there is, you ever see like those giant pumpkins that fit like barely in the back of a flatbed of a pickup truck? Uh, right. Those are generally associated with um, the Dills Atlantic Giant uh, cultivar of pumpkins. And uh, yeah. it takes some special growing in order for them to to get that big. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm going to be winning any awards, but I got the Dills Atlantic pumpkin seeds. And so <laughs> uh, we, we will run this experiment this year and see how far we go. Okay, I'm going to need you to take it
1: one step further and go Japanese on it and cultivate it so it fits in a square box like they did with oh, the watermelons.
0: Yes. I think that can be done.
1: I think yeah, that can like be done. Plexiglass or maybe an old invisible camera.
0: I'll talk to Marquardt, probably get you one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, they can get big too, right? So I'd have to, mm-hmm. um, I'd have to fabricate uh, something. I've got a general contractor coming by uh, end of this month to do an irrigation system for our gardens, and he's a handyman with uh, wood. I know you could probably whip up a, a wooden box just without even opening your eyes, but I cannot. So um, right, I, uh, I'll make that. Keep happen. Keep your eyes open though, if you want to keep your fingers. That's the trick. But the yeah, um- okay. <laughs> So I'm looking for
1: what shape. It's not going to be square. You're going for a different. You're going to go for a figure eight.
0: What are you going to make? Now you know me. It has to be a hexagonal prism. Yes.
1: Oh, wait a second.
0: Not even hexagonal.
1: No, no. Just go full prism. I want to see an actual prism. The pink cover of the Pink Floyd album.
0: Oh, that's how Let's, I'll carve it. Right. I'll carve the Pink Floyd uh, light rays into the yeah. pumpkin itself. Yes. All right. Okay, that would be a, a whole new photo op, actually.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to it. Mark your dates. October 31th of this year. It's going to happen. Bulgarian we'll, time.
0: We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but hey, how about another preamble? Uh, there is a celebration happening sort of now-ish. Uh, found an article on Petapixel, and I wanted to wish my my good friends at Flickr a, uh, a happy birthday. Flickr has turned 20 years old uh, as of February 10th. And I actually took a look back. I I joined Flickr in February of 2009. And uh, that was five years after they started. And uh, I've been using them pretty much regularly ever since. I still think it's one of the best platforms to share photos. And the quality is there. They provide all the metadata. And there's communities that I think are poorly utilized and need to be improved. But I still think it's the best platform for viewing photos. And that brought me to a question to you. Alan, where, where do you share your photos online? What do you think is best? Well,
1: the answer is sort of Flickr. Um, I, 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 do, I actually can't look back. I lost the keys to my original account uh, in somewhere. But I, I feel like I, I started Flickr probably around 2007. Sounds about right when I moved here to Germany. And the whole idea was, hey, what a great way to share images with my friends back home and my friends and family, and just keep people updated on what's going on, and so that I, I remember at the time thinking it's fantastic. And then when the show, our show started, the two hosers in 2011, um, that was the automatic. Of course, we're gonna share everything on on Flickr and, and have discussions and that, and then at some point in the process. Something, I forget what happened. Something got kind of cloudy. I guess maybe when they sold or moved or whatever happened, there was there were some bumps along the way. And we did not like that experience at that time. And so we were looking to keep things very, very simple. We moved over to Instagram and just just so there'd be less commenting and just very, very easy way to share your photos. And then that went south. That that they took that experience, that that quote unquote perfect, because it wasn't perfect. But the good experience, and they tweaked it, and now it's unusable for what we need.
0: Yeah, because they're, they're now, now all about short video content on Instagram, right? They really wanted to go after the TikTok market and thought that was a good move, and I disagree as well.
1: Right. I, I this, this might actually pop up later in the episode, based on your show notes, uh, on a different topic. But I, I like it when 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 somebody um, or some company or whomever really identifies their target market and just does it perfectly
0: like just does it well and yeah I and, think and I think when when Flickr was bought by smugmug um, smugmug had to inherit a lot of baggage right there was a lot right. of uh, old broken code behind the scenes and I was actually getting some notifications um, in email that uh, somebody had chosen one of my uh, images uploaded to Flickr that I put in a group they made it the uh, the cover image for that group. Okay, and an email is generated when that happens. And I was getting an email that had a Yahoo and Yahoo's address on it well after the SmugMug acquisition because this was hard-coded somewhere in some file that was not uh, generally available. And they had to do a lot of hunting and digging to sort all of that out and and dig out all the spider webs. But I think that now uh, it's it's kind of back to its glory days, if I can call it that. Because Mm -hmm. even in the glory days... Um, the Flickr group system, which is kind of like uh, isolated like bulletin board systems, if you remember that back in the 1998 version of the web. Um, and you can create a topic and people can respond and, and create a, a thread and responses to that particular topic. And I, I don't know if that's really the way forward in terms of the the internet conversations, and I'd like to see something a little bit more dynamic. Yes, of course, you can comment on the individual photographs, uh, but something that is just really intuitive that ties everything together. And I think Flickr, I I don't know, I don't even know what it would look like. The, The best version of this that I saw was back in the early days of Google Plus. And Google Plus had a feature called Ripples, where if you shared something, And then somebody else shared it, but they had a bigger following than you, and it had Mm -hmm. more views and and, uh, attention and what have you, you would see that as a bigger bubble off of yours. And then anybody that shared it from them would have smaller bubbles off of them unless they, of course, were bigger and the bubbles were all associated with uh, how that uh, came to pass. And you could really see how things organically spread across uh, a social space and where comments were and how it all kind of fed back into the original. It was really cool. Um, I would love if Flickr brought about a feature such as that. Uh, it would be really, really dynamic and bring people, I think, back onto the platform.
1: Yeah, we, we, we. Uh, so we, we moved back to it recently on the, the two hosers. and um, I admit it, it's now, now the failure is on my end. I just haven't had time to get caught up. As I told you, I lost the keys to the original account, uh, and just decided to create a new one. Let's start fresh and uploaded a bunch of images, and have not done the proper housekeeping to get set up. So that's on me. We're going to try to get that going. Um, but I do, I do like Flickr and, and everything that it did started out and now that it is. So happy birthday, Flickr.
0: All right. Now let's get into our first story. This one, I mean, it bothers me, but it, it shouldn't. I mean, there's um, scammers and fraudsters in just about every professional industry on the planet. So uh, I'm not surprised that there are uh, such people in the photographic space as well. Uh, Article from Petapixel, wedding photographer fined $30,000 for using images taken by other photographers. Now, that title is is misleading because I don't know if you've watched the video Uh, at the beginning. It's about a six minute uh, clip on this that describes exactly what has happened to a number of photographers. And they mention also that it's not the first time that this person has been faced with hefty fees, fees even larger than $30,000. And Mm. this story is about a Kansas-based wedding photographer, Caitlin Payne, who is accused of scamming couples by faking a family emergency and not turning up to take pictures on their big day. You know, it's the wedding day. And you get a photographer who, I mean, okay, let's be honest, there were probably red flags that you should have seen from this particular person beforehand. If you're reading reviews and commentary and such like that of other people that have had previous experiences, but let's say you've hired this photographer and on their wedding day, uh, she calls you in hysteria claiming that her daughter was in a car crash. She can't make it. She's going to send somebody else. Well, I mean, my God, uh, yes, family emergency, go deal with whatever, uh, hospital stuff and doctors. And, uh, I wish well to the the family. And well, it turns out in this particular instance, anyhow, that, uh, that day there were photos posted on Facebook of, uh, allegedly, of course, I've got to stick that word in here periodically. And it's all outlined in this article on Petapixel, uh, that, uh, Caitlin Payne, the photographer hired, uh, was at, her daughter's music recital or musical or ballet or something like that, but a, a children's event, and there's photos of her holding her daughter who seems to be, uh, I am not a medical doctor, but she seems to be in good health that does not look like she is the recent victim of a car crash. Mm-hmm. So um, what, what, if you were the, the clients in this case, and you've uncovered right. this particular evidence, what, what would you do? Uh, what
1: would I do, or, or what would podcast Alan do? Because they're, they're very different <laughs> <clears throat> answers. The um, what would you be willing to answer on the record? <laughs> uh, I I gotta go. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> no, the the so uh, first of all, I don't really understand the scam. Like so, the, so step one is she's using images she's taken off the internet to advertise her services. That's what I understand.
0: That is part Which, of it.
1: Which is is more common than you think. Unfortunately, um, um, not everybody does a reverse search like like you do, uh, and and so that happens. And then and so then now she's obviously a terrible photographer, and so she doesn't want. She, she takes the money up front to shoot the wedding, fakes this what have you, allegedly, and then. Uh, sends an inexperienced. As I did watch the video, and the dude who took the, the pictures clearly was thrown under the bus. Um, he 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 seemed like he doesn't know what he was doing and admitted as, as much. Um, and so then she then keeps the entire m- money.
0: And yeah. What? So that that I think that's what I could figure out would be the 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 scheme here. Again, allegedly is the idea that you can book uh, a, a wedding and shoot it for X number of dollars. I don't know how much. Let's just say $1,000. It probably right. was more. Uh, if I was a wedding photographer, I would charge more. But let's just say it's that. And, and so then it comes to the day. And you've arranged for somebody to shoot it for you. I don't know if it's an arrangement from that day or how much, uh, you know, pre-thought goes into into this particular thing. But then the photographer that you are paying is going to be paid less than what you would have charged. Uh, And so you are pocketing the difference. And this already prepares the client to get images of a lesser quality than are seen on the website with the excuse being that you didn't take them. It was somebody else in your stead. Does that make right. sense? It does make sense. So I've bumped, I've actually bumped into this, not a car
1: accident situation, but I, 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 there was a day when I was used to shoot wedding videos. Uh, I started out with wedding videos because I went to film school uh, back when wedding videos were a bad name. And, uh, and, and I actually helped turn that around in my humble opinion. But the, um, the, I remember there was one wedding where there was just an absolute miscommunication. I hadn't realized I had it all set, ready to go, was ready to go shoot the wedding and then got a call Friday evening. Hey man, where are you? And I thought the wedding was on Saturday and it was on Friday. They were about to, they're like about to go down the aisle and, uh, and I wasn't there. And it was about conservatively speaking, a 45 minute drive away. Oh crap. And so I had taken, I think I remember the time I I had taken, I I, I always prefer to get paid at the end. I I never, I don't get paid up front. I like to get to work for my money. And so I, I usually take like a $200 retainer or something like that. So I had done that. So i had taken a $200 retainer back in, this is like 2006 or something like that. And I did, I wasn't there. So what, what ended up happening was I, I knew a guy who lived about 20 minutes away. I phoned him. Luckily, he was available. And I said, please go out there and just start shooting. And uh, I will get there when I can. And I did. I, I got a, I, I got a ride out there um, and uh, showed up late. Um, the guy I had hired had shot a bunch of the wedding. I took over from there. I gave that guy like the, the $200 for the hour that he shot. And then at the end, I delivered... Ninety percent, because they actually had someone shooting a decent video at the reception, so they ended up okay. getting almost the exact same product, not quite, um, but they paid two hundred dollars. When it came time to pay the multiple thousands at the end, I just said, "No, I can't take your money. I didn't show up," and so, right?
0: Yeah, that that well, that's how that normally that. goes.
1: Well, that's the that's yeah, the own, normal. Own that was your mistakes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, you think? and you know, there's a certain responsibility to that on a professional level. And, uh, yeah, I think you did the right thing, but, um, this, uh, photographer, if, uh, we can call them that. Uh, It's reported that they had to pay, that they're liable for uh, $30,000 in civil penalties, and this is in the US, so that's US dollars, uh, additional investigative expenses and court costs while on a 48-month probationary period, and 12 News also reports that the photographer will have to pay more than $2,000 in restitution to two clients. Now, what bothers me about this, uh, restitution to the clients, that, that I think is, that's where the money should go. The $30,000 in civil penalties, does that go to the municipality? Like, does that go to the police force, the city? Uh, wh- where does that money from this person mm. go? Because I think it should go to the people that this person has allegedly wronged. That would make sense. That would make sense. Uh,
1: I think the key here is how, how you asked uh, in the email you sent me, how do, how do, you, how do you avoid this um, as a yeah. client? Uh, well, first of all, this person, I'm, I'm assuming, allegedly, based on the, what I'm reading, sounds to be a bit of a sociopath. Um, allegedly.
0: <laughs> uh, well, and if you watch the video, they make reference to other such instances that this person has done. Uh, That's what I'm getting uh, has, at. Has done. Um, but again, I don't want to take words out of that. Go watch that video and, and learn from the reporters. It's only six minutes long, and it is, it's worth watching. It is. So how does uh, the way to avoid this, in my opinion,
1: is referrals. Don't read online reviews like online reviews are they're great. But what are they? They're a bunch of ones and zeros on the web. You can't identify. So what you want to do is you want to get referrals from people that you know or people that they know who got married. There is no better way than this word of mouth. Um, I told you I've shot I've shot many, many weddings, uh, uh, both, you know, for videos and for photography I've never signed one contract. It's always been a handshake and said, "Okay, great." Like, like I audition the couple as much as they audition me. I don't just take automatically. Oh, okay, great. This person's coming. I'll just yeah, I'll do their wedding. Um, but they 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 get referred to me, and I say, "All right, here's how it goes. You're gonna give me a couple hundred bucks to save the date, and the rest, boom, done." I'll just will pay me at the end. Uh, I always offered a hundred percent money back guarantee. I've never had to honor it once. but Except here's how them, you didn't show up. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, they actually offered to pay me and I refused to take it because I, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have it out there in the world. Um, and so, and I needed the money too. I was flat broke. That's the kicker. I could oh, not man. afford to pay for their wedding video. Uh, but so, so way back in the day, early on, I just accidentally, I forget how I got the first one, but I shot uh, a Croatian wedding in Vancouver. There's a big Croatian community. They have their own hall, which ties into the story. And uh, I got hired to do that. And I I did well, clearly, because what ended up happening, it was was a big giant, like a 400 person wedding at the hall. Um, And it was like, oh, well, we're getting married here in, in a month. Can you do our wedding? And then it spread. And then I became the guy for a while to shoot all of the Croatian weddings. Because Wonderful. everybody was at.
0: And at you'll know the, the traditions at that point, right? Because they'll probably do specific culturally uh, you know I- independent things. It's like, okay, well now they're like in, in, in Bulgarian weddings, you, you dance with a big loaf of bread and then you you, you break it apart, and there's these types right. of traditions that uh, you would have been prepared for. Indeed. Indeed. And I
1: didn't blow it. And and so that became the thing. And, and so it was kind of an automatic it was like, well, yeah, you call Alan, you know, and then, then I moved away and I stopped, I wasn't into, I wasn't trying to be a wedding photographer, this, or a videographer. This was back when I was out of film school and, and, and had no money. Um, but I ended up doing, did a lot of them. It was great. Life was great. Um, but you want to get so what you want to do as, as a couple is you want to get referred to somebody. You want to get referred to a photographer by somebody who quote unquote ripped off their photographer. Meaning at the end of the experience, they feel you feel like you've underpaid. It's so good. Yes. Um, what will happen is that, that that photographer might be busy on that day. But a good photographer will refer another good photographer. Completely, uh, with without without getting, being paid, with no nothing in it for them other than their reputation. Uh, well, and so and l- you'll let's find assume somebody.
0: you're getting married, and marriage is not as much a forever thing as it used to be. Some people get married multiple times, but let's assume that this is such a special event in your life; it's only going to happen once. You got to do your due diligence, and it can even be the fact that you've looked and you have found a photographer in your area that has a style that you love. Right, even before you start looking at prices, uh, find any testimonials that they have, track down the individuals that are in those testimonials, contact them. Social mm. media makes it fairly easy to contact people these days and just say, hey, I'm looking for a photographer. I see you wrote a testimonial for this particular person. Um, is, is that accurate? Can you give me some details about the experience? Uh, and you could just like copy and paste that same message to five of them from the testimonials and see what flows back at you.
1: Mm-hmm. Do it. In fact, the, the, so it's, this was funny Is we hit one of our first guests on the show way back when was a, a Vancouver photographer named Amber Hughes, who was a, I don't want to say victim because it worked out for her, but she had her photos stolen. There was a, there was a photographer in, I, I feel like it was Georgia. I forget. It was a while ago who was advertising her services as a wedding photographer and somebody recognized a bunch of, of Vancouver landmarks in the background and said, well, wait a second, you're Georgia. And turns out it, they belong to uh, Amber, who is a phenomenal photographer. Um, I think it it might have been it's – a, it's a lot. You check out the story. It, it's, it's a great story. But we ended up having her on the show. And then you look at her, her, her webpage and you think, well, yeah, obviously that's who I would like to hire. She's amazing. So check her out at amberhughes.ca. She's a whole product of getting ripped off like this.
0: Well, and, and hey, you know what? I've got my fair share of my uh, copyrights being infringed. Um, people sometimes misappropriating my work and uh, using it in their own productions and not even providing me credit. So the assumption is that they created that work. And without going into too many details, I've got one such matter happening in Germany right now. That I have had to start talking with a lawyer to properly resolve. And fun fact about German law. I didn't know this, but um, when it comes to uh, infringement of copyrights, if the acknowledgement of the original owner is not present, you know, if there's no credit or there's no saying who did this, um, then the penalties under German law have a 100% uh, bonus. Oh. So you get to double the the cost of of that particular infringement. And in Germany, they they basically base the uh, infringements on. Uh, I mean, you could do it a number of ways. The way that is preferred is the fictitious license approach, which is basically if you were to have licensed the image to that person, then uh, that is the rate that you can claim, and uh, and then you can double that. So I'm okay. currently. I'm hoping that this particular individual comes to the table, and I don't have to uh, file legal action. But I'm this close to doing that. So,
1: oh, I know a guy. Where, do you, tell me off air what city it's in, and we'll see if we make this work. <laughs> How close it is to me? Right. Yeah, All right, no, well, no, I know a lawyer guy. For- I, sorry, I wasn't. Hang on, I wasn't threatening anybody. I'm just. I know a lawyer here.
0: Well, that's good. That's good. I I already have a lawyer that is willing to get engaged and has confirmed that there's no conflict of interest in this particular matter. So, um, but uh, yeah, you're not going to go and break some knees. I I really would not appreciate that. (laughs) I'm not even implying that. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's, let's go on to uh, the next story here, also from Petapixel. And this one, it was right up your alley, Alan. So I, I had to throw this one into the mix. Pro Baseball Photo Competition announces the inaugural winners. And uh, I've seen a good number of baseball photos from you. I think I helped you create a, uh, a vector outline for a baseball jersey at one point in the past. Uh, I know baseball is sort of your thing. So, uh, what do you think about this as a, as a competition in general? It's rather niche, but here we have it, uh, the quality of the images and, uh, what do you think about sports photography in general these days? It, I,
1: I didn't know about this, this contest or I would have been a part of it and not won. but the, um, (laughs) the photos are fantastic. These are amazing examples. I can't tell these, I mean, most of these must be professionals, I would assume,
0: uh, given by I, the, I've the seen access. professional stadiums and uh, professional yeah. players from the looks of it. So that assumes that there'd be uh, an air of professionalism to the photographers, but that doesn't exclude um, uh, other people as well because you know there, there's different categories. There's portraiture and there's the amateur section, which obviously would not be professional. So it does cover all the bases, pun intended. Right. Ah,
1: well done. Yeah. The, 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 pro game ones, like typically you're, you're not allowed to bring longer lenses into stadiums. I think you're allowed to bring like your smartphone and, and, you know, point and shoots, but you can't bring the longer lenses in for this reason, nor would you have this kind of access. Like these, these all look like they're taken from like the dugout, like next to the dugout where the, the camera pit is. Um, and so those, th- but in general, they, they are all fan fantastic. And, um, what what i mean sports fo- photography in, in general has gotten so amazing these days because of the again quote unquote affordable uh long lens they're not affordable they're, they're accessible i guess Lo- the longer lenses are an absolute yeah, game you, you, changer you you
0: wouldn't have to take out a loan to afford one these days
1: no and 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 uh they're kind of i wouldn't say everywhere but they're almost everywhere and so that's what the big game changer is you can, you can, um, the fact that you can get amazing images at, at ultra high, uh, ISOs, the, 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 the frame rate I'm trying to think of, it, cause it used to be the, the, the motor drive in my head, but, but the frame rate is so fast that you're not going to miss action. And with the, with the autofocus, it, it, it's, it is hard to take bad ones. I still do. I still take bad ones. Um, but the it's in the hands of almost everybody now. So whether it's the, the game in game shots or the rest of them, I actually prefer the, the outside the game shots, the, the um, what do they call them? The feature. There's a nice one of, of, of like the fireworks, for example.
0: Um, yeah. And the pictorial ones where they're even just showing like the, the cracked uh, dirt around a base and the shadows yeah. of the players in a line. I mean, they're, they're very, um, uh, they, they, they evoke an emotion. Uh, if, if a sense of nostalgia, even though I, I mean, I, I played baseball when I was like eight years old, it's been a long time, but you know, it, it still brings me back a little bit. Um, but you know, you mentioned the accessibility, uh, that everybody has the ability now. It's not just the professionals, uh, as it were. And as it was, you know, Sports Illustrated just less than a month ago uh, has mass layoffs of their editorial staffers, and that's throwing its future into question. And that's after they let go the majority, I'll say, of their photographers and basically said, all right, editorial staffer, you've got a nice camera, right? Why don't you go out and take the pictures and write about it? And uh, we'll uh, get uh, two birds with one stone. But is, is the professional reasoning for images, is it needed anymore?
1: Uh, is it needed? Wow. I never thought of it that way. So I, I watched this happen 20 years ago, actually playing, playing baseball back in, in, in uh, Vancouver. We had a local it was actually in Richmond. If you want to check it out uh, where that is by the airport, but um, the town I played in, there was the, the, the newspaper was this thing that came on paper, printed out a couple times a week. Uh, to your house, I've heard of this paper and, thing.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. So we they had they had so the Richmond Richmond Review. They would always cover our games, and and so they had a a, 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 a journalist. What do you call him? A, a, he would write about our games, and they would have a professional photographer that everybody knew. Like when 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 Mark showed up at whether it was hockey or track or whatever, he was the guy, and uh, he had the, the super long lenses. He took amazing. Th- Uh, uh, photographs back in you know the 80s 90s 2000s but at some point they did the exact same thing they said all right we're gonna we're just gonna send the the journalist out and he's editorial and he's just gonna use his three megapixel point and shoot and he'll get something and that'll be fine and was it fine I don't know newspapers aren't here anymore so maybe they shot themselves in the foot that way maybe
0: the quality just went down so bad that it's just like well I'm not gonna pay for this anymore and right. uh, I, I don't think that's the exclusive reason. I think that just the way that we consume uh, news and media and this stuff has been changing for a long time. And, uh, you know, it, it, this does suffer because the, the local news outlets, they they're closing if they haven't closed already. And the local news stories, which include the local sports teams and uh, uh, the w- whatever's happening in that community is not being well documented aside from Karen's yelling at each other on Facebook.
1: <laughs> uh you've been going through my search history okay the uh <laughs> well no so my opinion is, is 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 si sports illustrated i think they did this to themselves they should not have done this uh, like, like so many companies out there like like the aforementioned Flickr, and has now gotten back so maybe Flickr, maybe you should buy sports illustrated that would be the move um ultimately you 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 can't be all things to all people and that's kind of what they, they want to do. And, and and companies don't seem to want to serve the niche market anymore. Um, and there is a market. There is absolutely a market for Sports Illustrated magazine. When I was back in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, I, I actually looked for one for my son. I, I thought, oh, I, you know what I'll do is they've, it's hockey season. They've got to have a right. hockey, uh, you know, issue every week. It's It, it would come out as a weekly and uh no, I couldn't. I I searched high and low. Finally, found one. The one was some sort of a special edition, and it looked it was terrible. It was terrible. It was high price, and and wasn't very good. So I just did. He just didn't get one. And I had a, right. a subscription when I was a kid, and I l- used to love it. Every week, it would come to the house, and you get a phone with a little shaped like a football too. Uh, that was the cool part uh, w- with the subscription, but. It was awesome, and I remember specifically, I wouldn't read all the articles, but the f- photographs were amazing, and you got to see, right. you got to be there. Now, maybe now with because every single game is on TV, I, I have no idea what the problem is.
0: Well, and you know, if we talk about sports too, I mean, I've, I've been to some professional ball games. Um, I, I've seen the Blue Jays play and it's like when, when you got i mean those seats are super expensive i'd never buy them i would get them for free from like my parents job they won some in a raffle and it's like hey don do you want these tickets cuz we're not going to go it's like, all right i'll go right um, and then yeah, it's it's an experience but it's actually a more inclusive experience when you're watching it on tv this is the weird thing about professional baseball in the big stadiums cuz you're looking at the tiny <laughs> little ants down there on the field and yes, you are there, you are present uh, in in the experience, but without the big TV uh, on the, the Jumbotron or whatever it is, uh, you're not going to see the close details that are worth seeing. And that's where the photography and the close-up videography and all of these imaging teams around that bring the sport home. So I think that there is a purpose for it. Uh, but the thing is, that stuff just gets shared virally on social media, uh, and that's- Illegal if people are wanting to protect their copyrights, as we were just talking about previously, uh, and it shouldn't happen. But the value that the public associate with the work and people being paid for that work has been continuously diminishing. So you're blaming the the, the people, which I, I think I kind of am as well. Yeah, let's let's just blame the people it's your fault. If you're listening,
1: that's the problem. That's true. No, I, I, I do. I do feel that way. That there's that <clears throat> a certain aspect of our, our whole society. The, wow. We're getting deep now, but uh, uh, that, that, that has lowered their expectations. And it's like, all right, well, it, this is good enough. It's fast. It's great. Awesome. Uh, but then you look at some of these, these photos, imagine if all of the photos that you consumed were of this quality, wouldn't that be better? I think it would.
0: I think it would. Yeah. I've seen too many out-of-focus pictures of cats on Instagram for my liking. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I really am, I am worried
1: I, you're going through my history. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, let's go into the next story because it does relate to uh, authenticity in uh, in imagery and everything that we we see is not what it is. Um, Petapixel again reporting deep fake quote face swap attacks attacks they use in the headline which is important to consider up by 704% in the year 2023 I'm assuming that's based on the year prior and so attack deep fake attack this is this is critical because they are using uh, the ability of All of the push a button AI tech. I mean, you could always swap a face with the proper Photoshop skills 10 years ago. I mean, this is not new to be happening, but it is new when people can do it without any skill for malicious intent, especially for, in in the case of this article, they are listing the rise of the deep fake scam. Now scams, I mean, my, my grandmother last year, she's 88 years old and she got a phone call that purported to be her son, uh, who got in a car accident and hit a small child. And this was the lawyer that was calling in order to get some money. And she was uh, immediately dismayed and uh, upset about it, and then hung up the phone and called her son, my uncle, who was fixing a washing machine at the time. People are going to scam. They're going to scam. And deep fakes are another tool for this scamming. Uh, and this report hold comes on, days after Hong kong Hold on, hold on. Who Hong fixes Kong-based a
1: washing machine?
0: Well, that's his job. He fixes appliances. He, I thought he would throw them out and
1: buy a new one.
0: No, apparently they're fixable. There's still a guy. Okay, good. Put his, Yeah, okay, great. I'm <laughs> glad to hear it. All right, so carry on. Yes. So, Anyhow, the, uh, this came comes day after a Hong Kong-based finance worker was scammed into paying 200 million Hong Kong dollars, which is $25.6 million US to criminals after a virtual meeting with deepfakes. So uh, first of all, what do you think about the rise of fake authenticity, and how do you figure that's going to affect you in your life moving forward? Wow. Okay. So this is super impressive. This is Christopher Nolan level uh,
1: deep fakery. To have a, uh, I'm assuming this was like a, like a Zoom conference. Like, who am I
0: talking to right now, Don? I don't even know. I can't tell. Uh, if you asked me to answer a particular CAPTCHA, I would probably fail. Okay, so
1: because I'm I, I'm looking right now, I feel like I'm talking to George Clooney, but that must be a deep <laughs> fake. The <clears throat> no, you're, you're, but that's funny. You should mention that. That was kind of my my what what one thing I have been been meaning to do and will do today with my wife and kids. We will have a flash thunder situation, a a code word and a response like we're in, you know, the D Day landings or. In uh, a Mission Impossible movie, there will be a, a call and response because of this very thing. Now, this has happened without the without the the, the, the voice or the uh, the face. I've heard stories of the, the the deep fake AI phone calls from kids. So imagine now your daughter's a little too young for this, but imagine in a few years when she's say twelve. You get a phone call saying, Daddy, this is Penelope. Um, these men have me. They want $10,000.
0: And then I'll ask her, okay, sweetie, can you say that to me in Bulgarian? And there you go. But,
1: but, but a lot of these guys are Bulgarian. So, no, just kidding. Uh, come on. <laughs> well,
0: don't say that. <clears throat> uh,
1: no, no, no. This no. isn't a Liam Neeson movie.
0: Uh, but the, the idea is that, yeah, how do you authenticate uh, a person? And heck, it might even come to like a certain point where I've got to hold up my phone and there will be a QR code type thing on it that represents my personal public key that can only be generated by the private key that I have. And then you can do the same and we physically authenticate our reality to each other. I, I, that's one way
1: they'll be able to fake that. I, I think it's going to be an analog solution or band aid, really to the situation. I, I, this is all very, very mind blowing. I guess this is why I keep my money buried in a, in a, a soup can out in the backyard, uh, to avoid all this.
0: All right. Well, good, good to know. I'll, I'll bring the shovel,
1: not my backyard, someone else's <laughs> backyard. I'm not stupid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, this is the fact that they could do this on a conference call is very impressive. And like I read the article, it said it it can, it can even defeat the, like the side profile looks that we're talking about. And, um, I, I guess it's, there's no better time to, to, to be a, uh, an actual scammer, I guess, because you can hide behind this kind of stuff, but it,
0: aside from the the analog, I'm so cautious of everything. Like uh, last night, I'm ready to go to bed. My computer, the volume was still up and I had to turn it off because my email client was open and the noise would bug me all night. So I go to the computer, I sit down and up in front of me is a screen. Uh, It's mostly kind of blurred out. And there's this window from Microsoft saying, uh, please uh, click here to, to update and to restart. And I'm immediately thinking, no, no, that, that's, that's a scam. There's that, I've never seen that right. before. That is not accurate. It was. It was real. Microsoft, come on. Have you learned anything? That is exactly <laughs> what a scam website is going to broadcast on your screen to say, oh, you need to download an update to Firefox or Chrome or whatever. No, right. don't do that. Just let it happen behind the scenes or through the official system dialogue boxes because we are all on edge. Most people, most people are.
1: I mean, I, I actually shared a, a a video last week about uh, a bad experience with an airline, um, and uh, it was KLM. It's it's on the web. I'm, I'm on I'm on record with it. But I, I posted it to my Twitter, which is I don't even I'm barely on Twitter. I think I have zero followers, including you. And uh, but I, I posted it everywhere, and uh, immediately I got not one but two different comments. From KLM saying, "Hey, great! You know, like, we'll help you out. Sorry about this. Um, all you have to do is send all of your info here uh, to us, and we'll we'll take care of it. And of course, I yeah, clicked so on I said who- your
0: social security number, your credit cards, the name of your firstborn, you know, the place where you went yeah. on your honeymoon. Give us all that information, and we'll sort it out.
1: Show us the, where that soup can in the backyard is, and we'll we'll fi- we'll fix it out for you. We'll know, fill for it for you. you. Yeah. But, but but the uh, so I, obviously I, I I clicked on." the 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 two those not one but two different accounts and it was it was you know KLM one two three four happy fun times at Twitter and they had you know one follower they're following one person it was me and I was like well this this might be a scam uh, you know because obviously KLM doesn't want to help me so I, that was the the tip off right away they didn't care uh, but look deeper that's that's all they're saying but you'd ask it, it, would I ever use this kind of face swap technology in, in no i well i asked life. how
0: how it might affect you in your life and oh. i'm assuming that you probably wouldn't use it but that doesn't mean it's not going to affect you
1: uh i hope it doesn't affect me maybe i don't know i don't i don't use it i'll never use it i barely use photoshop for things like my my policy is if you have a uh, untimely blemish on your skin that will go away in a week but we're taking your picture now i'll remove that blemish if you don't like your nose that's on you.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, go, go to the plastic surgeon, get that fixed, and then I'll take a picture of whatever they've presented on your face. But uh, Or don't. <laughs> just learn to, learn to love your nose. I, I think it looks of course, great. Of course. Of yeah. course. I was being facetious. Uh, but, you know, there could come a time where this is right out of an episode of Black Mirror, where let's say uh, I get hit by a bus tomorrow and I'm dead, but... I've got 185 episodes of Photo Geek Weekly recording my voice, and there's tons of family photos. And my wife digs up an old love letter that I wrote her. And she could conceivably in the future have a fake me with my real face and my real voice recording a video to her reading that letter. For people that are distraught after losing a loved one, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. That episode of Black Mirror ended up with the the fake husband stuck in the attic the entire time uh, because he was a physical representation of such a thing. But we are nearing the edge of where that is a possibility for better or worse.
1: It's for worse, if you're asking me. The answer is worse. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think it's up for debate.
0: (laughs) No, I don't think so either. But what is up for debate is whether or not paying $35 for a crappy camera is actually money well spent, which is where we are going to go in our final story. But before we get there, I want to ask people, uh, I want to ask you uh, where people can find you online, uh, where your social media accounts are, if you are active on any of them, if you care, where your podcast might be and what's going on with that. Uh, Fill us in uh twohosers.com is where you can go to find it uh it's the
1: two hosers photo show i i still submit we are the longest running weekly photography podcast in the world i defy anybody to who to to challenge me on that we've put an episode out every single week since january of 2011 um one episode was admittedly 90 seconds long but that's a whole different story um you can find us there, the Two Hosers on the Instagram uh, and the, the Flickr site. You can find all the links. Go to TwoHosers.com. You can you can find all of that.
0: And the links will also be on uh, with the show notes at PhotoGeekWeekly.com as well. How many episodes are you up to now, Alan? Uh, we just l- released episode 684. And is that a format change for you at all? I. Uh, it, it, there is there is a format,
1: so a- Adam and I, Adam Schwartz and I have been hosting, co-hosting the show for, I'm going to have to do the math now, uh, th- almost thir- for 13 years, um, every week, and uh, and Adam had to bow out. Now, Adam is only, for now, going to show up on the weekly, the monthly photo uh, challenge episodes, so once a month, and then in the middle of the week, we're going to mix it up a little bit and have some different kinds of, of shows. So you were on. You were on about three weeks ago. I forget now. A
0: month, something like that. I'm not sure when you uh, you know positioned it in your schedule. But yes, recently.
1: Yes, and you'll be back on again uh, as soon as possible. So, uh, yeah, everyone, check it out. The, the whole the, the show started. If no one has heard of it, which is most people, the um the uh, the whole concept is we started from from scratch. From Adam was not a photographer at all. Didn't know how to open the box to his new. DSLR back in 2011 and we started there and basically went through it step by step each week learning a new a new skill building on on uh, the previous week and so on and so on until Adam actually became a, a paid photographer he kept his day job uh, as a physiotherapist but would also make, uh, make make money on the side shooting professionally so you can go back and you can actually find on our website only, I'm not, on, not, on, not on iTunes or anything like that, but on our website, you can go find the episode one and follow along and learn to take pictures if anybody has actual cameras anymore.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, how often do I just pull out my phone? Because it's good enough and in some cases better than uh, my big uh, interchangeable lens, high resolution, expensive, very good, very high quality camera, but you know, the the portrait modes, they're getting better and better. And they're at the point now where it's like, okay, am I going to, I have the uh, 50 millimeter F 1.4 lens, uh, the Lumix S pro. It's it's a beautiful lens. Uh, No question about the quality that that thing can generate, but it's heavy. And uh, I will take it out for, you know, a formal type photography. But when I'm at the park and the moment is there, That camera isn't.
1: No, of course. I actually had to, I was, uh, somebody, uh, a friend of mine sent me a a, a photo of their, you know, their kids at one of these parades we talked about. I actually had to ask her, hey, is this a real camera or is this your phone? I couldn't, I couldn't tell at at first glance. And she said, no, it's a phone. And uh, as I, you know, really pixel peeped, because that's how I do it. You could sort of see some, a little bit of, 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 details that weren't quite right, that weren't optical, but it was so good that I was like, wow, yeah, you got me.
0: Yeah. And it'll only get better. Again, it's, uh, that's, I think that's the positive side of the deep fake stuff because you're not trying to fake the authenticity of a person, but you are trying to fake the style of a more expensive camera. And whether or not you agree with that uh, depends on whether or not you flip that portrait mode over or you know, you depend on your camera's built-in LiDAR functionality to do subject separation and processing and all the stuff that happens without you even noticing it. Um, right. It's all in there, folks. It's all there. And it's not there in the camera in our final story, which uh, from F-Stoppers, I found this video just fantastic. Again, it's less than 10 minutes. I encourage everybody to go and watch because uh, this is uh, a a product review, an unboxing and a review of a $35 wannabe Fujifilm camera. And it's something else, says the title. So uh, imagine that uh, you're looking at uh, AliExpress. And you find uh, a knockoff, it resembles a Fujifilm X100 series camera. And uh, so this video uh, from Tom Calton is, I think, just lovely. Uh, It describes the look and the feel and the functionality of a complete knockoff camera. And it's not bad. It's uh, it's it's better than the uh, the infamous uh, Yashica Y35 that was crowdfunded a few years ago that was absolute garbage. Um, <laughs> this camera uh, has a nice feel to it. It has a nice look. The functionality obviously is incredibly limited. A command dial on the top is not actually a command dial. It's just there for show. Uh, there's no manual shooting. It's JPEG only. Uh, The 4K modes suffer immensely to the point where they are completely unusable, Um, but it is a functional camera that is purported to be 48 megapixels, although the quality of those pixels are in question. I would never use this camera. I've used bad cameras. This would be a camera I would potentially buy for a small child, and they would have a ton of fun with it. What do you think?
1: Well, this, this camera is a is a one dropper, and then it's done. So with the kids, mm, yeah, you need a yeah.
0: You, you are right about that one drop, and it's going to be in
1: pieces. So, so I watched the whole video, uh, which I, I rarely do. I don't know how about you on on YouTube these days. It's rare that I watch complete videos. A lot of them tend to lose me. This one was great, start to finish. Great storytelling by Tom. I call him Tom as if I know him. I've never heard of him until you sent this. Um, but it, w- great. Great storytelling, great pacing, uh, worth watching the whole thing. It just looks kind of fun. Um, it's impressive for $35. I will not get one. Uh, it, it, it will end up, the, the issue here is is you're going to have it, you're going to drop it a couple times. Well, once probably. And then it's going to go in the landfill, which is kind of the problem.
0: Uh, Yeah, I see that angle as well. You know, I mean, if if I had one of these, I would have no use for it other than to maybe like tie it to a bunch of helium filled balloons and see how high it goes and then find some sort of remote mechanism to pop the balloons and then reveal the footage of its rise and collapse. Uh, that that's yeah. the kind of stuff where the, you, you intend the camera to be destroyed in the process Th- that's a, going to be a given and the 35 dollar camera might be something worth sacrificing indeed
1: for that but that that's again that's how we get the landfills filled yeah um so i i i would hesitate for that reason um it's 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 my sushi principle is is Sushi doesn't need to cost four thousand dollars for dinner, but it shouldn't cost two dollars either. There's something in between uh, that you <laughs> yeah. should spend. Now, so for this, <clears throat> um, there's a. I, I do believe there is a market for something in the hundred dollar range, or the hundred, or or the two hundred dollar range. Uh, so I'm looking at you. I don't know who I'm looking at. Fuji's not going to do this and cannibalize their own awesome cameras. I have the X100F as I'm on record here many times saying, I love that camera. It's almost perfect. Uh, one thing that I would like the market to do is build a camera like this that we're looking at, lose the dials. Like you don't need, you don't need any, you need a, a on and a, uh, a, a trigger. Uh, no, a no, release. I must have
0: my dials. I must have my dials and my levers and my switches. Don't take oh, those away no. from me. <laughs> oh, here, but
1: here's the thing. This, there's, there, is a, there is a mark. You don't have any, no levers and switches on your iPhone. So here's what we need. Um, you need basically two, three settings. Let's call it three settings. I would like to see this camera in a 50 millimeter equivalent uh, fixed lens, no zoom, because the zoom here was digital anyways, useless. Right. Make it make it the, the, the 50 mil fixed lens at a, a decent aperture, like a 2.8 you can get away with at a reasonable price. I'm sure, uh, be able to change the ISO between probably 200 and 1600, not, not even in between, just pick two inside and outside two ISOs. Um, maybe, maybe an exposure compensation, just shoot JPEGs and go AV mode, go. That would be with a semi-decent autofocus. That would be a, a, an amazing camera. Based on this, you could sell it for two hundred dollars. I bet you could you could sell a lot of them. I'd buy one, because one of the things I always preach to everybody is to have a beater camera, just an old camera that you don't mind right. beating up. That, like you said, if 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 it breaks, oh well. The um the the kinds of photos that you get that you would never like you're never going to take your 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 gamer. Your sorry that makes that's a baseball reference. You're never going to take your uh, high-end pro camera out into the ocean and swim with your kid. You're not going to want to get the seawater near it. But right. a beater, no problem. And so I have so many photos of my kids doing fun stuff in situations that you would never take your good camera. So do
0: it. I, I have one camera that I, I dislike um, that it does have a unique feature that I still use it for. And there's a company called Candile, uh, and they make the KuCam cam ego and it's a stereoscopic 3d point and shoot. And so if I wanted to, I love stereo stuff and I know I'm in the minority there, but, um, especially when you've got, uh, you know, augmented reality, like, uh, Apple's vision pro and other things, which I don't like the tech. In its current form, but if that becomes more ubiquitous, then having a, a spatial realization of your family moments and things can be a valuable thing moving forward. So I take that camera with me sometimes, um, and it it is like almost entirely automatic. There, there's been an option in the menu from the beginning that says format, uh, like file format, and the only option is JPEG. It's like they they intend to have something else Hmm. in there in the future. But no, it it shipped without it and years go by. And I just looked up, there is a firmware update as of December 22nd of last year, that they now support the DNG format. So I'm going to have to go and update that camera. And uh, I don't know if that's going to make it any more useful because the user interface was just absolutely atrocious. The buttons are those weird like cellular buttons that don't actually have any tactile feedback you just kind of press into Uh, a membrane uh and it's yeah there's no fixing that in in firmware so uh yeah i bad cameras are still a part of my life um until somebody makes a better one (laughs) all right all right Well, that's, uh, that's it for that. Hey, check out that camera. If you've got a use for a $35 camera, that's not going to fill a landfill. Because as you're mentioning, we are so focused on consumer items, especially disposable ones these days. We really need to take a second thought on that. You might want to take a look. I I don't even know where the, did they provide a link? They didn't even provide a link to where this was found on AliExpress. So your mileage may vary with whatever camera you find there. All right. Well, let's get into picks of the week that are tried and true. At least we know what they are, and they come with our recommendation. Uh, Alan, why don't you go first? Oh, my pick of the week is the, uh, boy, What's I sent you the, the actual
1: title I got name, the link. The, the, link. the RM120. Uh, the Small Rig LED RM120, which I recently picked up. It was, it was, it was a recommendation from uh, Adam, co-host of the Two Hosers Photo Show. Um, it was, I, I can't remember. It wasn't very much money, 40 bucks, maybe 50 bucks, something like that. It's, it's it listed a,
0: 5990 on the smaller rig website. Uh, and I'm assuming that's going to be in US dollars, but that's still, that's, that's not a lot for a useful tool. Right. It must've been on sale. I feel like I paid 50 bucks. So regardless,
1: uh, it, it's, it's a small, I'm look. I don't, I'm looking at it across the room right now, but a little LED light that is surprisingly bright for
0: its size and cost. And uh, it's- uh, Battery it life looks a little- really good on it too. It looks like it's got a 5,000 milliamp hour battery packed into it fantastic battery life so
1: far it's it's built in it's it's a it's a built-in battery so you don't have to swap out which i have another led unit which has the you use the sony batteries it's not a sony light but it uses the sony batteries and they're big yeah. and clunky and you can swap them out and, and it's kind of annoying but this one you know i guess if you want to use it for a for like a, like a web chat which i've not so that's why i'm lit so poorly right now uh but I, I want it for video, and um, you know, maybe messing around with some with some photo stuff too. It's fun at night or something like that. Uh, but but I, I thought, well, you know what? For that price, I'm going to get a nice little. It'll work as a backlight. Uh, it'll light backgrounds. Uh, there's all kinds of of options for it. It's not going to replace your giant softbox, but it's a fun little inky. Huh? Check that out from the film yeah, it- industry. <laughs>
0: But it's also uh, very powerful and flexible. It's got a color rendering index of 98 plus. So you're going to have a relatively full spectrum approach to things. Um, Good quality LEDs have had that for a while now. But it's got a temperature range that goes from 2500 to 8500 Kelvin. And so you've got your warm light to your cold light. And it looks like uh, from what I'm seeing on the website that it can also go in solid red, green or blue modes as well. And I'm not sure if you can program any color under the sun, but uh, it's nice to have a tool like that. There's a lot of bells and whistles in there. It's got uh, it's got some effects. So
1: if you want to like, it's got like a TV effect. So look that TV flicker, that old timey 50s flicker. You can do a uh, lightning effect. All things I'll never use, but.
0: Uh, well, hey, if you ever get stuck out in the woods far from civilization and you need an SOS beacon, this has it. That would work as well, yeah,
1: i I can't imagine hiking with it, but maybe I will. maybe I will. Uh, it, so highly recommend it. I have used it one one of the things I like to use it for is 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 to light a background uh, for for photos um, and you can quickly dial in the you can you can go with the the the, the color the color temp at like twenty twenty six hundred what was the lowest? I forget what it would what it even said twenty five hundred I think throw it, make a blue background, make an orange background. Just like that, no no gels are uh, required. It is pretty awesome. Uh, it comes with the, the little the little screw in mount, like a cold shoe mount, uh, which goes on. It's, there's actually two. Um, you, can, you can you can have it positioned uh, uh, portrait mode or horizontal. There's two different two different uh, options there, and it just goes on your tripod or wherever you want to throw it on. Very handy. All that
0: for 60 bucks or less if you get one on sale. Indeed. And in, the, uh, in the theme of lighting, I also have a lighting pick. And I, I'm a big fan of, of flashlights. I got a lot of flashlights, but the problem with these things is um, they get discontinued quickly. Uh, I, my previous favorite, the i4000R, I bought three of them and they were discontinued the next week. So uh, when I want to recommend people to get a, a nice light, very useful for macro photography, useful for he- hiking or you know anything. Uh, Nightcore is a company that uh, I've always gone to because their lights, even the least expensive ones, do not have a noticeable flicker when you're using them as a photographic light source. If you go into a random hardware store and you buy an LED light, it's not going to not going to work for you, especially if you're trying to refocus or otherwise modify uh, the light beam. You want to have one with a singular LED diode, because if you try to do anything to refocus the light of a multi-LED light, then it's going to show the multiple LEDs as a result. My threshold is 1000 lumens. That, that's the point where you can do pretty much anything you'd ever want with that light. And the, uh, my current favorite in the inexpensive category is the Nightcore new P30. I couldn't find the new P30 on B&H, but I did find it on eBay. That's where I bought mine. And I'm guessing that it's new because it uses a different sized barrel. Uh, which houses the now larger-sized batteries, because these take these proprietary... They used to take uh, 18650 batteries, but now it's a 21-something, 21700. Um, But they come with a little adapter, and that adapter lets you use the old batteries in the new lights, and you can buy the new batteries if you want. The one that I'm going to put in the show notes uh, has one of the higher batteries at uh, 2150R, And, uh, it's got a USB port on the battery itself to charge it. So you don't need any proprietary chargers. You can just plug that into your computer to charge the battery. It costs 79 95 or best offer it says on eBay. And I am inclined to believe that if anybody puts the or best offer in there, they're willing to accept $10 less. Okay. I, I'm a, I'm actually kind of a sucker for flashlights.
1: Um, Not 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 for what you you I didn't I, for hey, actually walking Alan, around. I, I, I
0: got flashlights. Okay, you want to talk about flashlights? <laughs> I I have flashlight. For those that can't see what I'm holding up, I am holding up a flashlight that is almost the size of my head. Yeah, um, that they exist Prisoner on Riot. the extremes as well. The the yeah, looking at you, Chris Carter. If we're doing an, uh, another
1: X Files reboot, look to Dawn. <laughs> Dawn's going to be in it. I uh, uh, call me, please. Yeah, that was a big feature. That that might be why why I'm so c- low key obsessed with 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 good flashlights um, is because in that show they were featured so heavily. Uh, in in the photography
0: of the X Files back in the day, like they had special like well, and back in the xen- day, those were incandescent lights, right? right? I remember having I remember having some of those lights that were just so dim, you had to be just about on top of something or have completely adjusted night vision in right. order for it to work. And I remember seeing something about uh, maybe it was uh, Stranger Things or some other thing where they were trying to depict flashlights, but in the old style. And they couldn't use the LED lights. They had to go and find the incandescent lights uh, and use right. the originals because the modern LEDs just have uh, a completely different feel that could not be replicated uh, in cinema. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Like, there's
1: old ones with, like, the 90-degree the bend on them that you could clip on your shirt, like the big giant ones, which were probably from military, they took, military like surplus. They took
0: D-cell batteries, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I think we still have some D cells in the house somewhere, believe it or not. Just sitting there, <laughs> not being used.
0: That's great. Great for the environment. Mm. Better than the landfill, though, I suppose. But get those <laughs> properly recycled, folks. Uh, <laughs> All right, well uh, that, that's my pick. Um, 1000 lumen flashlight for 79.95, including everything you need to charge it and power it up. And uh, because these flashlights have relatively small barrels on them, uh, it's not only easy to handhold, but small crab clamps easily fit around these and can screw onto a tripod. And so they are infinitely usable. Just put that crab clamp on a gooseneck arm on your, um, uh, you know, and and have the flashlight kind of hanging right off of of wherever you are shooting. I use a lot of tabletop stuff as well. Uh, Some platypod equipment works great with these lights. So yeah, um, there it is, the new P30. And the link to both of those picks will be in the show notes at photogeekweekly.com. And okay. in the comments, Alan. we want to hear who, who won pick of the week. Pick of the week, yes. Who won uh, pick of the week? Is it Alan or is it me? That's a, that's a good point. Which pick do you like the most? That's never yeah. been asked before. Write in, folks. If I get, I don't know, five responses uh, or more, we'll make a note of it on the next episode. Um, so, yeah, enough so that it's not just one person deciding the winner. <laughs> We all know who won. Well, Alan, thanks for being here, man. Always a great, uh, great time chatting with you. The conversations are well engaged as they always are. We have to have you back on again soon. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right. And everybody listening, you know what to do because it's time to get out and shoot.